0: listening to the Teen wolf Rewolf For a long time, I actually thought about buying the shirt that says Donnie Darko makes no fucking sense. But then I would think that people would think I didn't like this movie, but I do
1: I don't know. Any person who would spend money on at-shirt for a movie, you have, to, you have to have you liked it. You have to it. assume that I liked it. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. I remember watching this for the first time in my parents' living room in high school and being like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I have since seen more movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> palette expanded. But I do have, have a great soft spot for it.
1: I remember seeing this movie for the first time uh, two hours ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Did you walk away being like... Well, that's exactly what I expected. Or were you like, I didn't expect anything, and therefore I'm untouched. You know,
1: this is one of those movies where I feel like I had seen a quarter of it in GIF form on Tumblr.com. It was
0: very popular. (laughs) Yes. For the edgy girls.
1: So I I think I kind of knew the vague outline of what was happening when we went into it. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. But
0: okay, I mean maybe this is what this bonus episode is for. We're gonna help you decide your feelings on this film. Okay. Oh, and this is the Teen Wolf Real Podcast, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. But today you're listening to a very special Halloween bonus episode. My name is Christian, and I'm Julia. Yeah, woohoo, yeehaw. Um, we for this very special Halloween bonus episode are watching the 2001 cult classic Donnie Darko, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, directed but directed and written by Richard Kelly um i'm not gonna call richard kelly a one-hit wonder because he is 46 and still has ample years to produce something else of this sort of cultural significance but as of now his first feature film which was this is sort of his trademark um which happens Mm -hmm. but like when this happened people were like this is Crazy. <laughs> this was a Sundance movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, there was seriously mixed reviews. We were reading a little bit of the reviews before we started. A lot of people were like amazed by its sense of tone and this weird sci-fi teen angst thing. But then a lot of people were, you know, like, hey, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to to hear more about this film um, from you, from the Wolf Pack. hopefully. I know they've all seen it. Although I don't know, you hadn't seen it.
1: I yeah, but I'm a special case, so
0: yeah, you just like skipped out on culture from most of your youth,
1: pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a big old cobwebs up in there.
0: Yeah, I feel like people have to wonder, like you know, why do they always do bonus episodes of movies that Julia hasn't seen and Christian has? I have seen many movies and Julia has seen some.
1: I have seen a lot of movies that nobody would care to watch today. Uh, at all because of the ground floor netflix activity my family went through of watching all of the movies that came out in like
0: 1945
1: yeah uh so i have like old movie cultural knowledge maybe we'll do a then
0: something
1: really dumb yeah i don't know i saw jaws for the first time this year i love jaws it was really good i enjoyed it yeah it's great yeah
0: um so We're going to dig into this. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to talk about how cute a young Jake Gyllenhaal and a current Jake Gyllenhaal is. (laughs) Jake, hi. If you're listening. If you're listening, if you're out there, (laughs) Ryan Kelly, (laughs) if you could call up your good friend, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, But before we do that, we have to do the 60 second recap. I I think it, or not 60 second recap, timed. I think it only fair that because I have seen this movie many times, I actually, and you're going to think this is crazy volunteer to go first
1: that is nuts because I was gonna volunteer to go first so you could fill in any gaps because I didn't take any fucking notes
0: that's on you babe (laughs) (laughs) well we'll do it together how about that no 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 not like in unison because that would be unlistenable I mean we'll fill in the gaps together okay um
1: so you want to go first on our timed recap sure um cool well Let's see. I'm going to pull out my stopwatch here. Uh-huh. And you are going to recap Donnie Darko for us as quickly as you can. Starting. Right now.
0: So the movie starts and Donnie Darko has been sleepwalking. He goes back into his house and everyone's like where do you go at night? And he's like I don't know. And then the next day he goes sleepwalking again because he's woken up by this giant bunny who he hallucinates named Frank. And Frank smirks him out of the house and tells him the world is going to end. And meanwhile while Donnie is out of the house a giant jet engine comes and crushes their house crushing the bedroom where Donnie would be sleeping. Meanwhile he goes to school and there's a new girl at school and she is thinks he's cute and sits next to him in English class. And so they kind of start talking and Donnie's talking to his friends and then he goes to therapy and he tells his therapist Dr. Thurman about this new hallucination he's having and how he's really worried about whether or not there's a god and whether or not the world is actually going to end and so she decides she's going to start doing hypnotherapy with him meanwhile uh the town is like getting to know this like uh Public figure who's like a self help guy named Jim Cunningham, who's trying to like help everybody conquer their fears. And Donnie's like, That's bullshit. I can't buy into any like linear t- expl- explanation of human emotion. And he's also getting really interested in time travel because it's something that Frank suggests to him while he's hallucinating. Frank suggests that he flood the school. So Donnie does it and he gets away with flooding the school by breaking a water main. And then everyone's under investigation. Later he is going out with a new girl, Jenna Malone, and um, they go to see a movie and Frank is like, you need to go burn down Jim, Jim Cunningham house. And Donnie does it. And he finds out and they, the whole town is exposed to the fact that this guy is a pedophile. Meanwhile, his mom now has to chaperone his sister's dance group, to go to be on star search or whatever so the weird creepy gym teacher can be like i'm defending jim cunningham for whatever effing reason so while his parents are away him and his sister throw a halloween party jenna Malone's character shows up gretchen shows up and she's like uh my mom is missing and my dad i think my stepdad kidnapped her and they have sex and then donnie realizes that it's about to be the end of the world and so he gathers up all his friends he's like we need to go talk to roberta sparrow because she is the one who knows all this stuff about time travel The bullies at school are there trying to rob her. They threaten them. Frank the bunny shows up as a person in a car and runs over Gretchen. Donnie carries her body back to their house. And at the time when the world is ending, he brings her up on a hill so that the world can end together. But what really happens is the jet engine is ripped from his mother's airplane and goes back in time and kills Donnie in his bed because Frank didn't wake him up.
1: Two minutes and 18 seconds. I feel like
0: I missed so much, so that's crazy. That um, it was so long.
1: I really feel like my recap is going to top out at like 45 seconds, and I'm not going to remember anything. OK, well, so, we'll see. So um, yeah, this is the the thing about I just saw it.
0: So You did just see it. Yeah. But that means more details are like more fresh in your mind, you know? Like there's going to be stuff that you're thinking about that I haven't thought about since I first watched it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is fascinating like what sticks with you the first time you watch a movie. So we'll see.
0: The, I we'll guarantee see. at sixteen, the only thing that stuck with me was, "Ooh, Jake Gyllenhaal, so hot. He's so pretty. <laughs> He's so cute." um Are you feeling prepared? No, absolutely not. Are you not. feeling confident? No. Are you gonna have to do this anyway? Yes. So Aww. on your mark, get set, go.
1: OK, so Donnie Darko is sleepwalking, and he goes back home. And they're like, um, what's going on with you? Are you taking your medication? And he's like, no, obviously not. And then the next day, um, he gets woken up in the middle of the night by this really creepy, doom voice. And it turns out to be a bunny named Frank. Um, and he is spared from a jet engine falling onto his house. He goes to school. Um, and he's clearly like beloved by all of his teachers, even though they think he's really weird. Um, and he meets the new girl, Jenna Malone and uh, there's like a little something some between them. Um, he kind of gets into trouble because he doesn't think that this whole fear-love guy is legit and it's like really dumb. He ends up flooding the school by hacking into the water main with a hatchet um, and that isn't great and he's like starting to be suspected but he kind of gets away with it. Um, more things start to happen, his therapist um, like hypnotizes him and finds out about Frank and is like really concerned about it. Um, then... He goes to see the Evil Dead with his girlfriend. and He, like, asked her to go with him, and it's very cute. Um, And then Frank is like, you have to go burn down this guy's house. And it turns out that he was a pedophile. And um, the woman who was, like, really mad about pornography and short stories um, is like, I'm going to defend him for whatever reason. Um, And so the mom has to leave, and then his sister gets into Harvard. So they throw this Halloween party, and uh, Donnie's like, well, the world is going to end, so everything is just, like, super, super crazy. And he decides that he is going to go talk to the lady who uh knows all the things about time travel and his like physics teacher gave him her book um and then the mean kids from school are trying to rob her and uh he ends up shooting the actual guy named frank who shows up in the bunny costume after running over gretchen um and then the world is starting to end and then there's this whole like time warp wormhole thing where the jet engine comes and kills Frank and uh nope not Frank Donnie but also kind of Frank too I guess um and that's the end of the movie everybody's very distraught
0: uh you did a, <laughs> or only slightly less than me you did 15973 and
1: I don't think that that made any sense I was not no listening I think, to myself no, no, no
0: I think you did well well one you introduced the fact that like Donnie's science teacher gives him Roberta's book like way earlier in the movie than I was able to, to squeeze in. And also the fact that they throw the party because um, Elizabeth, played by Maggie Hall, gets into Harvard. But I think we got it.
1: Yeah, for the most part.
0: I also say, and we'll get into this when we talk about what doesn't work about this movie, it doesn't really matter what we missed because this movie don't make sense.
1: No. It's up to your interpretation. Yeah. It. Yeah.
0: <laughs> also... This movie came out in 2001, you guys. You can find it for for, for free, if not on the cheap. So just
1: go and watch it, go if, watch it again if you've not seen it or watch it for the first time. It does
0: feel like a cultural touchdown, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You lost your virginity tonight, Julia.
1: You know, it happens so frequently. It's just like so crazy. Well, it's
0: like this and then like Rocky Horror and like every other cult classic where people are like, you haven't seen that? People... Dude, I'm busy. What do you mean you haven't seen? I have a life. My I have a hot job. take, <laughs> yeah,
1: is that if you haven't seen Rocky Horror, it's fine.
0: I think that the way to do it is in the theater. I think seeing it like, don't like just watch it on Netflix. Like go no. do the thing.
1: And then also if you've if you've done that, you never have to do it again. Nope.
0: Yeah. I I feel like we may have like Rocky Horror like lifers who are gonna be mad at us.
1: No, you know here's the thing. I love Rocky Horror right up until Meatloaf dies. And then I'm uninterested.
0: I didn't realize you were such a Meatloaf stan. I
1: love me. I know he's like a real weirdo, um, but he is like a highlight of that movie for me. Oh
0: so. my gosh, is it Meatloaf who almost played the Phantom in the 2005 Phantom of the Opera?
1: Possibly, that I'm, sounds about I'm right. I'm pretty
0: sure they like were thinking about casting Meatloaf and then it was Gerard. <laughs> like here's the thing, like is meatloaf as a handsome as gerard butler obviously not but at least we know meatloaf can sing he can
1: sing and also the phantom isn't supposed to be hot so yeah it
0: was like the idea like actually yeah that's a bad <laughs> casting but they were like gerard butler was such hot shit at the time that like
1: he still should be i love gerard butler oh God,
0: and like a 19 it no, was 17 year old emmy rossom yeah that's crazy
1: banana well
0: mm-hmm, uh, yes it is yeah <laughs> um anyway back to donnie darko so uh, like I said I love this movie maybe even just for nostalgia's sake like I always have fun watching it um you're still undecided Mm -hmm. we're feeling it out we're gonna figure it out how you feel by the end of this conversation mostly because you have to give it a letter grade (laughs) so (laughs) you better figure it out uh let's start what works about this movie I think we have to start Jake Gyllenhaal is yeah it's so fun watching him it's clearly such like young um uninhibited like talent like all of these impulses are so like first go. And I think that's what's really sort of fun to watch somebody who is so prolific. And so I don't want to say refined because I don't find Jake Gyllenhaal to be a very like centered actor, but like has definitely developed a style since this movie premiered to see him at like a very raw form is really engaging.
1: I can't personally say that I've given a lot of thought to Jake Gyllenhaal's career in general, um, but I will say that I...
0: What kind of millennial <laughs> are you?
1: Um, you know, I, it's maybe because I didn't see this when I was a teenager, that he has not occupied my imagination in the same way that Fair. he has other people's. All right, all right. Um, but I will say, watching him in this, you can really tell he has... He's so charismatic. Um, and he, it feels like he is inhabiting this, um, character like so fully. And I feel like often when you see actors and particularly young actors trying to portray someone who like clearly is struggling with mental illness, it goes really far in the wrong direction and it's like way too much. Um, and this feels really authentic and, um, authentic to, like, his lived experience. No, I and think it
0: feels so honest. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't make that face at you yeah. <laughs> to, to disagree. I, I was being like, yeah, she's totally yeah. right. Where a lot of young actors, when they are playing a character who is so disturbed, will lean so far into that, and it will become really indicate mm-hmm. of their internal struggle. Whereas, like, I think what's really interesting about this movie, and part of that actually has to do with the screenplay, is it's, like, a very on and off for him. When he's not suffering, he's not suffering. He exists normally, which mm-hmm. is kind of how that works. And then once he's starting to slip into like these delusions again, you clearly see him... He takes on a very different physical performance. It's a lot of looking out from the under from under his brow bones, which I think is interesting. I also think it's a reference to Psycho. Yeah,
1: I actually that was something that I was going to bring up that I really liked about his performance because one of the things that really struck me watching this is the scenes he has in his bathroom where he is interacting with Frank and he's not looking directly at the camera, but it's kind of a situation where you feel like he's looking at you. Um, and he is interacting with something that just, like, isn't there, and it's so, it's a really subtle physical shift from watching him, like, in the daytime outside of his bathroom. Um, his physicality is so interesting and really delicate.
0: Yeah, I and I think in the, in the terms of, like, that bathroom scene, there is this scene where he is, like, really, really upset by Frank's presence in the bathroom, and then his little sister walks in, and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm I'm just taking my medicine. Like it immediately switches, but he's also confused as to how that changes. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really interesting example of that. Um, Yeah. He is really, really compelling. He'd already done a couple things by the time they did this, I think most notably October Sky. Um, And then I think it's, I think this is like the first thing that he probably got to do that felt like it was dealing with something really heavy and dark and like grown up mm-hmm. and i think you can kind of see that um moving away from jake Hall, the cast as a whole stacked stacked some people would later become big superstars mm-hmm. um so like in I, about four years after this movie would made was made jenna maloney would do jenna maloney would do saved one of
1: my favorite movies
0: She's had a really interesting career. She obviously came back after a couple of years to do the Hunger Games, and I think that she's great in the Hunger Games. Uh, Seth Rogen plays one of the bullies in this movie. I don't know where this fell in terms of being like made before some of like in terms of his other early stuff, but obviously Seth Rogen has had a very successful career. He's
1: you know Seth Rogen. He's Seth
0: Rogen. Yeah, you can hear his laugh at some point in this movie, and I was like, oh yeah. It's that I it's I had not Martin. noticed until you
1: had pointed it out to me, and I was like, "Oh my, oh my god!" And then
0: you hear him laugh, and you're like, you're oh, like "Oh yeah, that so
1: guy." That. Yeah, um,
0: and then a couple of people who were, and then obviously Maggie Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. of being Maggie Gyllenhaal fame. Yeah, and then a couple of people who were already very famous at the time this movie was made. So Patrick Swayze and Drew Barrymore.
1: Yeah, who is. On her own talk show now.
0: I love Drew Barrymore. I, I really adore do. her.
1: Yeah, um, and also notably, um, Mary McDonnell, who plays um, Donnie's mom, went on to be on Battlestar Galactica and. I feel like such a real nerd saying... But I think that the Battlestar Galactica adaptation um, is so phenomenal. And she is an amazing part of it.
0: Did you just say you feel like a nerd on a Teen Wolf podcast? I know. But sometimes,
1: like... You know how when this becomes such a normal part of your life and then you say something that's, like, you don't talk about very often and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, But anyway, I think that... And then uh, I also really like uh, Noah Weil, who plays Mm -hmm. the other teacher. I really think that everything is fitting together to make this movie work. I really think that with a lesser cast or even with a different cast, a lot of these dynamics would read as really strange and uncomfortable. I think going back to, to I think this does sort of pivot around Jake Hall's performance of Donnie making him so sympathetic and so honest. If he was just being like an edgelord weirdo, it would be really hard for everyone else to be so organically sensitive to his character mm-hmm. um but we do see some really interesting things like clearly his siblings love him and his Very parents much. are don't quite understand him but are severely empathetic toward him i find that terribly refreshing yes i'm so tired of teen movie we had this conversation with meg when we talked about the, the parents on teen wolf mm-hmm. but how all the parents on like dawson's dawson's creek and like Riverdale, I think is another example, are, like, non-humans.
1: And they're super unhelpful. And, in fact, like, hindrances yeah. a lot
0: of the time. <laughs> but I think the parents in this in this movie, and the, the teachers as well, the adults are, are interesting. And, like, obviously there are sort of more caricatures, like Kitty mm-hmm. and Jim Cunningham, who are horrible. Terrible. But the, they are ultimately foils to the other adults, who make them seem so much more grounded and, and, and realistic. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I think the entire cast plays really well off each other. Jerry Trainor has a co-star role as well as Ashley Tisdale, which is very <laughs> funny. It, this is kind of like a who's who yeah.
1: moment. And it's one of the things I found really interesting watching this for, as like for the first time is kind of knowing where Drew Barrymore was in her career at this point and how naturally she fits into that cast in the role that she's in.
0: Okay, do you remember how, like, a couple weeks ago, I was, like, my dream in high school was to be a high school English teacher? Mm-hmm. Th- she was not the inspiration. The- I wanted to do that before I had ever seen this movie, but I did want to be the type of English teacher she was.
1: Oh, yeah. that I clocked that pretty immediately of, like, that resonates with me. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also think that something really interesting about both the science teacher—I wish I could remember their character names, both the science teacher and the English teacher— Is that when you stick out and have relationships with the teachers in your high school because you're weird Mm -hmm. and don't have a lot of friends but do (laughs) like talking about books, that's how you want them to sort of, like, think of you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... It's weirdly (laughs) aspirational. It's not as though,
1: like, Donnie stands out in the class, um, where she's giving him like special treatment necessarily uh, in front of all these other kids. But like, it really frustrates me when I see, um, high school media where the teachers are like actively mean to the children.
0: No, I thought, I think the, the great thing when she, I think it's Jody Joni. Yeah. Joni. Yeah. G- it's a question wrong. And she's like, well, if you had read the story, you wouldn't. And I, but I think that's interesting. She's not Victimizing her because Joni wrote like raised her hand. She's not picking on somebody who's ill prepared. No, it's a really realistic interaction of being like, you didn't do the work for my class. I will acknowledge that you didn't and move on, and that's it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. She's not being mean. No, per se, per se, per se. Yeah.
0: Um. So I think that like part of that falls into characterization. I think the characterization of of most people in this movie are again some of them are character characters. Like I think that Donnie's friends, like his two guy friends, are like. Dude, dudes being guys. They're just guys being dudes, but, like, they're not a huge part of the movie, so I'm not, like, invested in their backstory or anything, or even Mm -hmm. how they really know Donnie, because they do just sort of look alike. They feel like fate, like, they feel like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah, kind of. But I think (laughs) it works. Um, So the characterization of the adults, the characterization of Donnie, and then ultimately Gretchen as well, I think all really works. She, like could be a manic pixie dream girl, but she's super not. Um, she's super not. And I, I
1: feel like the difference between, um, the manic pixie dream girl and and what's happening with Gretchen is that a manic pixie dream girl pretty much exists to be projected upon. Um, because she's not a real human being. But the kind of the reason that they, like, connect immediately is that she's clearly deeply disturbed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Donnie's like, oh, my God, me too.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I think she shares some traits with Manic Pixie dream girls, but there's, like, an, a genuine connection between the two of them. As opposed to him just like, I saw this girl and she must now be everything that I think she is.
0: Well, I think that a lot of their relationship is sort of like an acknowledgement of um the bad and then comfort yeah like when she runs out of class because like the reason when they have their first kiss and it's because she runs out of class because somebody has brought up like what her stepdad did to her mom i a little bit am like i don't know if that's the the best way to comfort somebody in that moment but she doesn't but i'm also basing i should have to base my reaction on her reaction
1: she she kisses him. She kisses him. Yeah. So
0: I think that a lot of their their interactions are based on like an acknowledgement of trauma and then a reaction toward that, which I think is a lot more than like, "You're the love of my life. You're perfect, weird girl." Because you does listen. Not happen. Because you listen <laughs> to the yeah. Smiths. Um.
1: um. Yeah, I, well, and I also love the fact that they, like, work on a project together. Like, they clearly are trying to connect on an intellectual level as well as, like, here is my trauma. Here yes. is your trauma.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of the high school stuff really works. I think, like, the setting of the high school really mm-hmm. works. You say, you were mentioning how it feels sort of like it could exist in, in any time, anywhere. But I think that's what makes it so effective is because if you experience suburban America, you feel this. Like, I mentioned this to you before we started watching. I was like, I think this is the virgin suicides for boys who think that they're special.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: it really does feel like being in the neverwhere of suburbia.
1: Yeah. And that, that is a theme that is well touched upon by a lot of American filmmakers and a lot of different genres. Um, And I think it's particularly effective here. And even some of the stuff that like the adults are worrying about in terms of like, what's going on with the kids feels very contemporary even in 2021, Mm -hmm. literally 20 years after the fact.
0: Oh my gosh. That's crazy. (laughs) Terrifying. Wow. Crazy. It's been a long time. I know. Jake Gyllenhaal is
1: in his 40s. <laughs> Crazy. Time passes. I know.
0: Um, yeah, like, I think that there's sort of a really interesting um, interesting dynamic between the people who see through the um, everything is the biggest deal in the world part of suburbia i think we really see that in the pta meeting
1: Mm -hmm. where kitty
0: is like this book is poisoning our children and donnie's mom is like we don't ban books kitty this is the pta (laughs) this is a wendy's (laughs) yeah and i think the acknowledgement that this place isn't the end all be all is really smart because a lot of things said in suburbia are like it all matters about being in so and so such town Riverdale or whatever (laughs) like there is no acknowledgement of the outside world in this movie yeah besides the the plane Mm -hmm.
1: that you know we don't really even get to see until the end well I
0: think the acknowledgement is from the people who are like suburban politics are disinteresting and not important to Mm -hmm. me yeah that's what I think works um I oh you know what works about this movie Hmm. soundtrack the
1: soundtrack is great um iconic really i mean you were talking to somebody
0: who loves new wave
1: um i'm fond of new wave love it not as much as you are we
0: regularly talk about it in my family group (laughs) chat about how new wave is the one genre of music we all agree upon
1: the one to bring everybody together yeah it's
0: it's it's the uh the unifying factor Mm -hmm. yeah um but yes there is this amazing scene at the beginning of the movie that I love. It's just a one tracking shot, basically to set up the environment of the high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears plays. And it's like panning across everybody, like Donnie as he enters and like sparkle motion, dance practice. And the two bullies are like literally doing coke out of their locker while a teacher watches and I does love that. nothing. Yeah. That's funny. It reminded me, there's all these old like, urban legends basically about my suburb i grew up in about like what life was like growing up there in the 70s and 80s and there used to be like these like 30 hiding spots where you could hide hard drugs and no one would know (laughs) and like people would just do coke because it was like they had money to burn and it was the 80s so when i see that i'm like that's not realistic, but also, I know what my suburb was like then, so maybe. So,
1: perhaps. Yeah. I, every single depiction of the 80s, I'm like, wow, people did a lot of coke. I know. All the time.
0: Yeah, it's how you stayed that skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, the soundtrack. But not only the soundtrack that um, really solidifies the era it's supposed to be set in. Because, like, I think you mentioned, like, the costumes aren't major identifiers, partially because the kids are mostly in uniforms.
1: Yeah. And when they're out of uniforms, it's kind of... They're plain. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um... I think, like, the cut of the jeans is something that you would acknowledge. But now that we're in the era of mom jeans being in style again.
1: I actually think that um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's outfit, when she walks in um, at the end of, like, a date or whatever, at the beginning when the jet falls into the house, I think that's the most, like, period-appropriate Which is so clothing. funny, because I was
0: like, I would wear that right now. She's wearing, like, red plaid pants. Yeah, because
1: it's great. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels the most, like, of the time.
0: Yeah, so I think the music does a huge... That and, like, the self-help like videos and stuff um but yeah like being able to sort of solidify the era that the film is in through the soundtrack is interesting especially when it is compared to like the really haunting choral music that we basically get the idea that it's playing in Donnie's head because it's Mm -hmm. what plays when Frank is around
1: yeah I mean that's a pretty well-known trope in like horror yes um which and that not to be like oh it's a trope i love that
0: i love choral personally music.
1: love choral music um i think that the soundtrack is banging but i also really loved the way that they um created frank's voice um i love the distortion of whatever music is happening when he is present um it feels really disorienting and kind of solidifies the fact that like you are actually in donnie's head because it's like So it, it like, makes your skin crawl. I think it's really effective. Yeah,
0: I think the sound mixing and the sound editing is really good in this movie. Insofar as the way that it makes me react, I'm sure if somebody has, like, more professional opinions on sound mixing, they might be like, actually, it's garbage and here's why. But I am very affected by the way that sound is used in this movie, and especially on the scenes when Frank is there. Because Frank, obviously, is scary because of the way that he looks and because of the way that his mask is structured in the voice. But I think that like you do get a little bit of the boss music is playing. So you start looking <laughs> around for enemies start feeling.
1: Yeah. That mask is terrifying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. All of the costuming <laughs> is very generic except for Frank.
1: So distinctive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ter- terrifying. Terrifying. Um. What else works about this movie?
1: Um. I think that this movie is pretty it's pretty clear um maybe not from the outset but pretty much as soon as Frank appears that this you are watching this from Donnie's perspective uh-huh um this is all happening in Donnie's head and like it is kind of up
0: to you as to
1: how, how much you believe is like actually happening
0: well it's also up to you whether or not you think that this is all in Donnie's head. Like, unfortunately, it's so not nonsensical that, like, that leaves, I think, room for too much interpretation. But I ultimately agree with you.
1: I, I think that it's one of the only ways that it would actually work for me. Um, and particularly because um, Donnie is such a likable character. Um, and you really feel for... for- being a teenage
0: boy who is very much... Acts and reacts like a teenage boy. Yeah,
1: um, I've, I found that very interesting. It can happen, folks. <laughs> um, and so you really, like, you feel for him and you really um, want him to be okay. And when he is distressed by Frank, you are distressed. Um, I think that that really makes the movie work for me. I think if it were kind of trying to examine Donnie from, like, an outside perspective, I wouldn't have enjoyed it.
0: I... Agree with that, yeah. I think the, I think the, well, I think that. Well, I also think, and like this is like the last thing I kind of wanted to add that I was interested in was like how the family dynamic works. Like I mentioned earlier, like his siblings very clearly love him, and like his parents like are very supportive of him. But like we, because we're watching Donnie from the perspective, like because we're watching this family from Donnie's perspective, it's so much more like clear how he relates to the people in his household and how they relate to him than it being like a gosh mom you're such a bitch and he mm-hmm. does call his mom a bitch but it's from a closed door and he, and he very visibly feels weird about the fact that he did it mm-hmm. and I'm like that is so much more honest about like the way being a teenager and in a suburban household functions than being like my mom doesn't understand me because his parents openly don't understand him and then like Support him so wholeheartedly. Yeah. They are really
1: trying, even when they don't really have the tools. Yeah. To be supporting him. Um, I, that is one of the things that I have generally felt is lacking a lot of the time in um teen media and we were just talking about this about um the parents but like family dynamics are so important because d- no teenager in like a tv series has siblings yeah and i find that so weird
0: and like donnie and elizabeth have a very like stereotypical like brother sister like eat shit type of relationship but clearly like love each other Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's a way way more interesting like thing to set up than if donnie was an only child this movie would be unwatchable i agree yeah
1: because his family like keeps him in check to an extent to the extent that they can
0: yeah i love the scene where she where like um rose his mom is getting ready to leave because she has to go babysit sparkle motion at star search (laughs) and he says how does it feel like to have a wacko for a son and i think that that scene is basically him being like i did it i burned down Mm -hmm. his house and she says it feels wonderful because what the fuck is she gonna do yeah you're really fucked up donnie no she behaves like a mom because she loves her child that like doesn't happen in so many teen movies yeah Um, unfortunately though, moving into what doesn't work, it does suffer from smart wife, dumb husband.
1: The dad is kind of a non-entity in this movie. Like he... Which is great
0: because there is an alternate universe where like Donnie has serious daddy issues (laughs) and that movie is also unwatchable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um... Just thinking about what what am I remembering from having watched this movie. I mean, like, his dad does drive him to therapy. Um, so he's, like, endorsing therapy. He's at the therapist's office. Um, but mostly he's just kind of there to be, like, contrarian about politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and to stand next to his wife. Yeah. And believe me, that's
0: fine. No, I would rather his mom <laughs> be the character we care about. So. yeah. Um okay. But let's move into what doesn't work. It is abundant unfortunately, like again, when we were reading the reviews, very mixed. And it's not even like it's good reviews and bad reviews. It's a lot of people being like this part of the movie really works and this part really doesn't, which is mm-hmm. exactly what we do here on this podcast. So, where do you want to start? What doesn't work?
1: Uh, where to begin? Um the dialogue.
0: <laughs> Some of the dialogue is really moving. And then the other half of it is so inhuman and weird. It
1: it feels like it's in a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what it's trying to accomplish. Um, And I think that that's kind of comes to like one of the biggest, biggest, but one of the things that um, frustrated me is that if this story feels really broad, Um, there's introduction of all of these characters and elements that never fully get followed up on. Um, and I think that that's part of where you have a lot of that, like, inhuman dialogue and things that don't really make a lot of sense. Um, I think that the story could have been a little bit more narrowly focused.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, because I'm just, like, left wondering, like, what in the world is going on with those people?
0: Well, there's also like moments in the dialogue where a character will say something like inappropriately, like open or like sincere for a situation, (laughs) and you're like, I know that you are trying to like move me in any one direction, but Mm -hmm. like it that didn't that wasn't supposed to be there. Like, I think it's really, I think. Well, I think this is an interesting thing. Like. When it comes to how people talk, they will often say something that suggests what they're feeling in hopes that you pick it up. And this movie doesn't do that before it says the things of what people are feeling. And that's why it feels so strangely open.
1: I also think that in certain circumstances, there's typically like one character who is able to just kind of say whatever. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that applies to multiple people is kind of odd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, like, primarily applies... Well, it's funny. Even, like, both of the teachers and Gretchen and Donnie all will say shit where you're like, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. okay.
0: Great. Great. Maybe maybe say something that suggests that first. Go through a conversation where the other person isn't getting it, and then... Like, there's no um system of admission. Mm-hmm. People are just like... A little too open. And I said this to you while we were watching. I remember somebody talking about the breakfast club and saying that the reason why that scene at the end where they're all doing like group therapy is so effective is because when you're in high school, the closest you get to emotional connection with people is to give them your biggest secrets and then experience them in return without actually interpreting and like working through those things. And so when it comes to the scene, scene with Donnie and Gretchen in the beginning when she's like my dad stabbed my mom and he's like I too have emotional problems <laughs> that rings as like honest and genuine but then when it happens elsewhere I'm like I don't, I don't know about that it feels
1: um very much like a thing that um teenagers are kind of working through because a lot of what like teen movies are about and like what the whole human experience is about is trying to like expose yourself to people and like get to know people and be known mm-hmm. um, and when you're a teenager you really don't know how to go about that um, and everybody kind of tries to approach it in different ways yeah um so I think that comment about the breakfast club is really
0: smart and astute um that. <laughs> Teenagers are just trying to learn how to be people. Yeah, but the problem is that there's adults in this movie who are trying to be people in the way that teenagers do.
1: Yeah, and they should have had that social-emotional learning yeah. down.
0: Um, a, like, a lot of the dialogue is awkward. Like, I think the whole, like, tell me how you suck a fuck conversation is funny, but it's not also not playing into how smart everybody in that room is.
1: I agree. Elizabeth
0: gets into Harvard. Donnie has aptitude chest, like tests off the wazoo. Like... They could be fighting about something so, like, advanced for their, like, age of, what, 16 and 19?
1: Well, it's weird because we actually see an example of that when Donnie is talking about the Smurfs. Mm-hmm. um And he's explaining to his friends why their really just, like, shallow interpretation of it is wrong because he has spent so much time thinking about it. And it's not even that he and Elizabeth have to be talking about something, like, so you know, uh, advanced, but it's like they could be having a podcast about Teen Wolf. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, cause we are so smart in advance no, no, no. But like I said, like uh, some of the conversations don't actually play to the intelligence established of the characters. And mm-hmm. that does a good job of expressing sibling dynamic, but doesn't express a huge amount of their characterization that we'll find out later in the movie. And that is what frustrated me. So like, there's a lot of, um, I guess like maybe like, it feels like the screenplay trips over itself. It establishes stuff and then forgets about it, or it forgets about something that it established earlier and then often makes the dialogue very clunky. Uh, what else doesn't work? Um, the pacing is bad. The, the
1: pacing is bad. There are scenes from certain characters that I like, I wanted more interaction between Donnie and Elizabeth. Yeah, me too. And there's very little of it. Um, the
0: especially <laughs> if you have the <laughs> Halls. literal siblings, playing siblings. You get yeah. literal siblings playing siblings. I'm going to be interested in wanting to see them play siblings, and I think it's really fun. They, I guess, have both talked about how it was really intimidating to do that at first in this movie, and I've since been like, yeah, I don't know if we can do another movie <laughs> again, again together, but I think it's fun.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, the progression of, um, I guess, if we want to call it. Donnie's psychosis seems really fast Um, after having kind of... It feels like it plateaus for a little bit, and then everything just kind of speeds up at the end in a way that doesn't necessarily feel feel organic to me. I agree. Um, The, you know, we get told at the beginning of the movie that the world is going to end in 28 days, and we spend a significant chunk of the movie, like, in the 28 to 20 day range and then it all just picks up at the end yeah um and I also I hard to tell because it wasn't um clear on Amazon but we were watching like I guess the director's cut of Mm -hmm. this movie so who knows like I don't even know if that's what was in the theatrical release um I don't know if they're
0: not that different and the theatrical release is similarly poorly poorly paced okay good to know yeah um, yeah, the pacing is, is strange. I think you're right about the progression of the psychosis. It feels like for the first hour, like, Donnie's just sleepwalking mm-hmm. and talking to his therapist. And I think those scenes are really affecting, especially, like, mm-hmm. the hypnosis stuff. But... And dealing with stuff that, like, you you t- super are dealing with as, like, a teenager, but, like, can't, don't have anyone to talk about it with. Where you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe in God. That's a really big question. Um, so those scenes are really good, but, like, it does just feel, like, generic, like, teenage, um, like, dissociation as opposed to, like, the actual, like, psychosis. Mm-hmm. Donnie ultimately goes it's- through at the end of the movie. Yeah.
1: I think that plays into... Um- the lack of um attention to detail in this movie which is something that you mentioned to me and i think i might have an idea of what you mean but i'm curious um kind of where that shows up for you
0: well i think that mine was more like it it's not like an attention to detail it's the attention it pays to details that matter so like you said that you were upset by the fact that we don't actually get a huge response from Gretchen being hit by a car.
1: Literally being run over. Run over by a
0: car. I think that time should have stopped in that moment. Yeah. This is a directorial issue. I mean, I guess also a writing issue (laughs) because Richard (laughs) Kelly did both. But, like, that is really frustrating that that is, like, how much it is. And then we sort of, like, all of the Jim Cunningham stuff, like, really sort of gets swept under the rug and is used a little bit as a – like, sort of a, a, a humorous part to just show you how completely delusional Kitty is. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, like, that should have had a bigger effect on Donnie at school where everybody who knows that he's committed arson before and also had beef with this guy. W- would suspect would him. Would suspect him. Totally.
1: But it also would have been kind of a moment of vindication for Donnie who got... Suspended from, like, after-school activities because of a reaction to his, like, self-help program yeah, and Kitty's, like, devotion to him.
0: Exactly. And so there's a lot of, like, intercuts with, like, how he's, like, I guess, like, how he's hallucinating or, like, perceiving the world where, like, the sky is opening up and he's seeing the tunnels and, like, the portals that are being pulled from people as he thinks that he's watching people make decisions before they make them which is all really interesting, but, like, a lot of there, There's, like, a dead space in this movie that could be filled by appropriate attention to the, those big impact moments.
1: Yeah, I think... I really want to like the science fiction element of this, um, but
0: one... We need to know more about Roberta Sparrow. We,
1: we need to know more about her because she, you know... Uh, okay, she goes back and forth to her mailbox because maybe like something's gonna happen in the time space continuum and there'll be a letter there. Well no,
0: she's waiting for the letter yeah, that Johnny's gonna yeah. write her. Yeah.
1: yeah. And she keeps doing that. But like why? How does she know that? Um I think that the little like specters coming out of everyone's sternum looks looks really funny. Um, and because this because Jake Gyllenhaal is doing such a good job. He's a good little, good little actor. Um, I'd be so much more interested in, like, more detail and, like, attention paid to what he's going through. Um, and he can still have that obsession, but it treats it very, like, it's very real. Um, and I don't know that... Well, I think that's
0: smart, because it's obviously real to Donnie.
1: Yes. I I don't know that that... Translates. Yeah, for me, anyway. Fair. But this is my first watch
0: through. Like, maybe I'll view it differently. There, I meant time. actual, like, time wasted on, like, clips of that shit happening. <laughs> but I think it's important. But again, like, the whole, like, portal thing gets introduced without us actually, again, knowing all that much about Roberto Sparrow. And like, Donnie's talking about it and talking about it with his therapist. He talks about it with a science teacher. But, like, it's kind of it, you know? I wish we had... I
1: mean, I wish we could have seen him talk to her, but then the letter thing... Mm-hmm. wouldn't have worked. I don't know. I don't know how to fix it, is what I'm saying. I don't
0: either. So, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, I think some of this comes down to, like, it trying to utilize shock value and then not doing it in a very particularly interesting way. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand what the bullies were doing there. Obviously, it's supposed to be a reference to the destroyers and the fact that they, you know...
1: Well, and someone says i think maybe his mom that there was like a rumor that she had all these gems in her home and people had tried to rob her before Mm -hmm. so maybe that's what the bullies were doing there but like no
0: i know that that's why they were there it just didn't work they could have just showed up to the place and had something else happen that knocked gretchen down
1: or they followed Donnie there because they were still mad at him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it so it feels when they pull this knife and they're beating them up and, and, and Gretchen dies and it's like uh, you're just trying to like this feels so edge lordy. It it all happens one after the other too. Yeah. Like um So in the place where it tries to shock us, it ultimately doesn't because there's too much happening. I'm like, okay, 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 I just keep going.
1: Yeah, and do- I mean, Donnie also seems to kind of accept it as, like, okay, this happened, but yep. he thinks the world is going to end. So why is it, why would it be impactful for him?
0: Totally agree. Okay. The thing that we do actually have to break into, like, what doesn't make sense,
1: the or movie. what doesn't
0: work, is that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I got ahead of myself because this movie <laughs> makes no fucking sense. The way that I interpret it, and I want to hear mm-hmm. other people's interpretations because I know that the one that I view is probably the most simplistic is that Donnie does just die on October 2nd. And then all of this is stuff that he has been like, um, what is the word? Hallucinating. Hallucinating Hallucinating up until that point. I
1: don't know that I have like a better explanation
0: because if you want to tell me that there's actual science fiction in it, okay. Okay. But it doesn't. It's not grounded enough in science or fiction for me to be like, (laughs) yeah. I think that I think that the better explanation is that it's psychological.
1: Yeah, I think this is a movie where um, not in a Saint (laughs) Elsewhere type of way though. I think if I had watched this movie as a teen, um, I definitely think I would have liked it because I think it would have like emotionally resonated with me. But I think I would have
0: walked away from it being like, am I? Stupid. I remember feeling that <laughs> way, and now I realize no, <laughs> I'm a smart cookie, and the script doesn't make sense. It clearly needed like three more runs through the editing mill. Mm-hmm. I I even think it's too long in the un, in the non director's cut. Th-
1: this movie could be a lot tighter than it is.
0: Yeah, and it's clear, like, and obviously, like in an, like a sort of autoer situation where we're getting a writer and director. It's really hard to have creative output coming from other people, mm-hmm. and. Richard Kelly has famously written some other very bad scripts. Like, this one is kind of funny. Is there, there's, you can go and read this. It is a draft of a screenplay for the movie Holes, and all of the emotions are so bombastic and all over the place and inorganic, and like it's really poorly paced, and it's actually kind of funny to read if you go find it. Sorry, Richard Kelly. (laughs) But like, it's clear that that's not really where his talents I think lie Mm -hmm. like I think the directing in this movie is totally fine in fact sometimes good but yeah yeah. um he needs he needs and it's maybe not even just like his. he's not he's not untalented he just clearly needs a, a team
1: yeah um I will say it's kind of funny because um I feel like my I feel like I've talked about this before. My least favorite reveal at the end of any movie is that it was aliens all along. And so this movie did not say, oh, it was aliens all along. Kudos. But it also didn't say
0: what it was. was, Which
1: is almost as bad, um, almost as frustrating. And I kind of feel like when you were talking about how this is kind of the virgin suicides for men... um, or you think they're special specifically who, yeah um i feel like had i watched it as a team um men would have tried to explain it to me and i would have not liked the movie because of that
0: fair yeah and they wouldn't have anything interesting to say about it either they'd be just quoting reddit forums and i also do not want to say that these are comparable because i love the virgin suicides as do i but it is, I, I sort of meant that in the way of, like, suburbia, nobody understands me, massive tragedy type of thing.
1: Yeah, and, like, it it clearly um, resonates with people, and I'm not saying that to, like, disregard that, because I do think that, like, boys and men deserve to have movies that, like, recognize that experience of, like, growing up as a teen. I mean, everything is about you guys, but, you know, you still I guess. You can have these things sometimes. Um, so it's not... You know,
0: but you don't get the Virgin Suicides, you get the shitty Virgin <laughs> Kelly version.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I say
0: shitty, I again love this movie.
1: That's how I feel, yeah, about the this movie making no sense. Yeah, um,
0: we didn't talk about Sharita. that's a thing that works, but you didn't bring it up when we were talking about what works.
1: Oh, um, I <sighs> just felt a lot for her, I really felt a lot for her, and I, um, I know that a lot of people's experience as a teenager is like a lot of angst and feeling like nobody understands you. Um, But Sharita, despite the fact that like nobody understands her and she is like actively bullied, she does this lovely little dance at the talent show, which exhibits so much bravery and honesty and like a real desire for people to see her as she is despite the fact that she is constantly rejected and I um that meant a lot to me personally
0: sometimes I'm frustrated by her character (laughs) because it really is to set up the fact that Donnie is a good person basically yes that she loves him is because that he's the only person who's nice to her and I'm like
1: Oh, it is, like, far more um, nuanced than me being, like, I feel seen by this person. But you personally Um, feel seen by I personally, yeah, I do.
0: Okay, let's talk about the cultural legacy of this movie. I think you said something funny where it's, like, before we started, we were, like, this movie is weird kid cred.
1: Yeah, nerd kid cred. Um, It's, like, you whip out your credentials in the high school hallway.
0: I have seen Donnie Darko. Yeah. And I have thoughts about it. I have thoughts about it. Did I have these thoughts about it in high school? No, I've aged and matured since then. And learned things about movies. Yeah. Have I, though? Mm -hmm. No. Um... I know that we have a couple of critics who listen to the Ray Wolf and you just have to think that every once in a while they hear us say something and go, oh, bad take,
1: guys. I am sure that there are people who like listen to us on their commute and they're like, oh, but I, I want to say something to you.
0: I get that when I listen to podcasts though. Me too. Especially if it's a detail that I know is wrong. I'm like, oh "Oh, God, they're wrong. But then sometimes we get DMs (laughs) where people are like, you guys are wrong. And I'm like, hey.
1: Cool. Leave me alone. Well, I think we're very clear that we have never seen a movie and we don't know what we're talking I've
0: never seen a movie I've never seen Teen Wolf (laughs) yeah just winging it just winging it um Annie yeah so this was totally weird kid cred I think what this was especially in my high school in my friend group as I observed it was one of the gateway movies that got people into being like film kids into film lit something we talked about with our film lit teacher like it was something that really I think, you know, it is a teen movie, but mm-hmm. I think it is the first introduction to like more festively, like art house stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense, that makes you really think. Because if you think about the movies that were coming out when we were in high school, they weren't particularly like. Well, movies that like. challenging that out. we were watching. Yeah. Um,. So I remember seeing this and having, like, being around people who were seeing this for the first time as we were all talking about it. And it felt like the first thing that, like, really introduced us to, like, I don't want to say, like, film is art. Because at my at, high school, you're already considering things as being artful and, like, examining them. Like, independent of school, I mean. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the first thing that, one, I felt seen by. Mm-hmm. and who really challenged me in a way that I hadn't been expecting and so it did sort of lead me on a path where I was then seeking out other things that engaged me in this way whether it be sci-fi other movies about whatever other Jake Gyllenhaal features perhaps
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I can't totally speak to that experience I definitely remember it being like a topic of conversation when I was in high school and part of the way that like teens and particularly if you're like interested in art the way that you learn to talk to your friends about art is like having this shared language of having watched all of the same movies Um, and I think that this was one of those movies.
0: Yeah I totally agree. I, I would be really interested to know what those movies are for teenagers now because I think the couple big ones that I remember being like have you seen this type of movies where like this American psycho great movie love American psycho fight club like all of the early Fincher stuff Mm -hmm. and I would be really because I assume well I assume only just because it's been so long
1: that there must be more
0: yeah because when we were in high school Donnie we were only 10 years out of Donnie Darko now we're now Mm -hmm. 20 years out it's not even just that there's more I just don't think it's part of the cultural zeitgeist as much if not for the people like me, like other people who watched it, being like, oh, I love Johnny Darko.
1: Yeah, I I kind of feel like it's harder to have sleeper hits nowadays um, or like cult classics. Um, mostly because like this is happening now, you have to wait for things to become yeah. cult classics. Um, but either things get completely buried or they get really blown up. Because I'm thinking like when I... When I was in high school, I would have been so excited and so jazzed by like Midsommar. Mm-hmm. And I would have talked about it constantly. Um oh, yeah,
0: I mean horror when we were in high school, we were still in the torture porn era.
1: Yeah. And so like something like, you know, Midsommar, like art or house horror. other horror that's come out recently. Um like The Babadook. Actually, I do because The Babadook came out when I was in college. college yeah. Um so I, that, it's not the same, yeah. but it's like everybody was talking about it. And so um, I, I don't know if there's a thing that like high schoolers feel like they've discovered like Donnie Darko.
0: Maybe. No. I did see somebody on TikTok being like, Hidden Gem, The Truman Show. <laughs> and people being like, you mean the movie you watch in English class? Okay. <laughs> I love The Truman Show, but like... Jim Carrey's... Finest work. No, that's the, the Grinch. Grinch. The Grinch. I,
1: kn- I, know. I know, you know. I know. I know you know. I know
0: you know. I know you know. We know the Grinch. Uh, but I mean, for us, uh, for me, this was such a big part on my journey to start mm-hmm. really thinking critically about like the movies I observed. Even in the in this part of my life when I knew that I wanted to go study theater, mm-hmm. this was a big turning point for me and how I watched things. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, really, Donnie Darko? Yes, Donnie Darko, leave me alone. If it got to you... It did.
1: It got to you. But I also don't think you're alone or no, unique in that. I don't
0: think I am. I think this was... And I remember <clears throat> observing this amongst my friends, so that's why I'm so fascinated. I know that there's still a lot of people who love this movie. Um... it it still does do the gif rounds every Halloween.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I've seen a quarter of this movie Movie via via Tumblr. Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I would, I want to hear from our younger listeners if this is still part of that journey. If you're in high school, like what movies are people talking about that you need to see or whatever, or if we've, we've moved away from it. One thing I do want to say and final thing about legacy was when Jake Gyllenhaal did his, I think it's GQ interview about his most famous characters his comments on this movie really made me smile because he was like, I will always love Donnie Darko because at the time I filmed this movie, it felt like I, like I understood what was happening. Like I understood those feelings and was living them. And I think that is very like young adult to be like, yeah, yep. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm paraphrasing Jake. Sorry. No, but I think that's really evident in his performance. And like, it is very plainly obvious that he is uh, 20 and not a high schooler. Um, I still think like, we're so used to seeing like almost 30 year olds play high schoolers, or at least I was. And the older I get, the weirder that is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, he really captured that experience so well, well
0: i also don't think that the experience that donnie is going through is unique to un- being a teenager no no, no. i think but it's, i think i think i still am like 28 I, days i'm gone yeah so especially in these especially in these times my agent told me i was too old to play a high schooler and i think she's saving me and others <laughs> from myself because i look old rip <laughs> rip um i don't old i don't look old i look 25
1: I think that it is time we start acknowledging that people look like they're in their 20s. 20s yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um,
0: last little bit of, of of podcasting. Where are they now? Jake Gyllenhaal. It's is Jake Hall? Yeah. I don't need to tell you where he is. He's busy every day going on Instagram telling people he doesn't shower for some reason. Jake, baby, don't do that. It's the water wars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know uh maggie gyllenhaal also famous also has done a lot of really interesting like indie projects and stuff i think people really liked the kindergarten teacher um and has done a lot of miniseries. and then obviously as you said was your favorite rachel the in superior batman. rachel i'm not making a comment on that one um i feel like that will make batman people pick a fight
1: um i prefer her okay in batman. um
0: Patrick Swayze has unfortunately left us, but like what a career and what a cultural legacy.
1: Um, Yeah. It's so interesting to see him in this particular role in this movie, because of course everybody knows him from dirty dancing um, and among many other things. And he is just like, so um, refreshingly an emotional man Mm -hmm. in that movie versus like this total scumbag. So cool to see him um, doing different things, uh, a different side of his life as a performer
0: mm-hmm. noah weill was on like all of er and has done a bunch of other projects yes um
1: jenna malone jenna we talked malone. about jenna
0: malone we talked about uh, seth rogan again random co-stars from ashley tisdale and jerry Trainor. like so fun to like see like it's really funny to see somebody who has like just a co-star role in something from like 20 years ago, and then became a huge star. Like Octavia Spencer has a co-star role in the first Spider-Man movie, and I'm like, Love look that. at her now. <laughs> so it's fun. It's not like Jerry Trainor and Ashley Tisdale are like huge celebrities, but they were big celebrities of our childhood and yes. our early adolescence. So to me personally, to me personally, Sharpe <laughs> Evans and Spencer Shay, but also Crazy Steve. <laughs> This was actually not that far away from Crazy Steve. I don't know when Drake and no. Josh started, but...
1: Yeah, I love Jerry Trainor. Me too.
0: Um, and then, obviously, Drew Barrymore. So famous before this, stayed famous after this, now has a talk show. We love Drew Barrymore.
1: Um, of the very famous and prolific Barrymore family. Yes. You know, she yes. was always going somewhere.
0: Yeah, and then <laughs> completely overhauled her life. <laughs> yeah, good yeah, for her. Good for her. Um... So I mean, the where are they now is a little bit like you guys know where they are now. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do let's do final final review on Donnie Darko. What letter grade do you give this movie? You have to think about it.
1: Um, no, I wrote it down. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna give this movie a B B+. Cool. Because I want to take into account um, how this would have affected me as a teen and how I've grown, and um, I think that it's something I could learn to love. But it is flawed. Yes. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Where what what letter grade would you give Donnie Darko?
0: An A minus. It does not make any fucking sense, but I also <laughs> watched it at sixteen, so I have big feelings.
1: That and that is what life is all about. Yep. Your big feelings.
0: Yes. So I, again I'm excited to hear from people who watched Donnie Darko when they were in high school. I'm excited to hear what the high schoolers are watching now that makes it their big, edgy you know I'm really desperate to know I want to know tell me I feel one I feel so out of touch old old
1: <laughs> nothing makes me feel quite as old as like talking to a teen about the media they're consuming and I'm like I've never heard I of am that the
0: yeah which is funny because we are like well we pride ourselves on knowing stuff about teen things
1: but there is just so much out there that I'm like I got nothing. Yeah,
0: streaming didn't exist. Well, streaming did exist, but original content on streaming service didn't exist when mm-hmm. we
1: were. Uh, it was so consuming. much easier to watch teen water cooler shows when we
0: were kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you'd have to like wait till the new season <laughs> came on Netflix and stuff. Yeah. So, um, it'll it'll be interesting to hear everyone's reaction. Um, if you guys liked this episode. And I hope you did. You can follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore RealWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. We will have more, an, one other Halloween bonus episode for sure coming out this month. Um, if you really liked this episode, you can uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a review and we will do a little bit of commentary and give you a shout out on the podcast. If you really, really liked this episode, you can buy us coffee ko-fi.com forward slash TeenWolfRealWolf. You can buy our stickers on Redbubble, redbubble.com forward slash TeenWolfRealWolf. Other than that, I'm excited that we're finally getting getting into the spooky season. Like a fish, like a fish a fish. Obviously, we did scream, but like, you know.
1: Oh, I thought you meant just like in general, and it was 85
0: degrees today. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> Anywho, we're we're praying for spookier weather. We're gonna do more spooky bonus episodes. And other than that, I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And I hope you guys have we hope you guys have a wolf of the week. Oh um, uh, woo!